three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Me More. We're in the studio this week with Kurt Grice, filling in for our pastor who's on vacation. We have a great conversation about dynamic life in the spirit. We get to know a little bit more of Kurt's journey as we celebrate his 30th anniversary, and we take a deep dive into the end of the book of John. Uh, thanks for joining us, and enjoy the listen. Well, we are back with Tell Me More, and again, we have a special guest in the studio, Dr. Wiles, is celebrating Thanksgiving with his family, so he's not with us Sorry, today. Dr. Miss you, Dr. Wiles. We do uh, miss but, him. But However, whoa, oh, spoiler alert. Whose who gruff this? voice is this? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say hi to my pastor. <laughs> who's, who's somewhere in the mountains of New Mexico. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't guessed it yet, uh, our guest today is... The, the one. The, the, the only. The Reverend. Kurt Grice. Kurt yes. R. Grice. So good to be here with two of my dear good friends. Comma, 30-year veteran of First Baptist Arlington. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, we get to hang out a lot during the week, so we don't act do. like this, yeah, this is, is pretty comfortable. Time. Yeah. We're pretty comfortable in we here. We have a rhythm yeah. to our lives so interacting, good. don't we? Me too. Wow. Okay. I'm going to jump right in. Let's go for it. Kurt, yesterday we celebrated – now, Barry's not in the room. Right. But certainly, we celebrated you and Barry. This won't be the first time I speak for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 1993. Everybody Probably think about, not the last year. Every, well, we'll see. Yeah. Everybody think about where you were in 1993. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to say that out loud? Were you born yet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was sorry. probably I'm in sorry. daycare, It's only though. 30 years. I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself. I was probably in daycare, though. Yeah. I All was right. At, I was at Giesinger Elementary School in Conroe, Texas mm. back mm-hmm. in 1993. I was probably at Mima Jacobs. <laughs> House daycare <laughs> in, uh, in Hartsville, Alabama. That a, is that a franchise? Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna no. ask if that was so, in like the Midwest, but you were in Alabama. I lived in Alabama, so it was a, that does not sound like corporate. Child it care. sounds like Appalachia. Yeah, it was a dear, sweet woman from Northern Alabama whose house daycare I went to. It's beautiful. Mima Jacobs. Love that. Actually, Mama. Sorry, Mama. Not Mama Meemaw. Jacobs, comma LLC. I love it. <laughs> okay, uh, if we could Kurt, franchise that kind of nurturing childcare. The world would be a better place. I bet you were loved and mm. cared for. I was. Secure, happy, all the But this so isn't fun. about me no, or but, However, I do have more questions, but not for this. <laughs> I, I want you to tell me more, but maybe off, offline. But <laughs> Over I, coffee somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. But in 1993, First Church Arlington called Kurt Grice and Kim and the kids mm-hmm. to come to be our youth minister. You want to tell us a little about that? Well, we, um, we were in Columbia, South Carolina at Shannon Baptist Church. Um, it was a very interesting situation, unless anyone somehow randomly uh, stumbled, <laughs> stumbled along on this, who might have been there at that time. I had energy and ideas that were not perhaps consistent with the culture of that uh, Deep South congregation. And so, uh, so you came after here about four years, it became apparent that perhaps my energies and ideas were better served elsewhere. And mm. so... When And I won't go into all the sort of miracle that is God's guidance in our lives, mm. but things that seem just sort of random and coincidental we view as providential. And so certainly for me, I saw interactions that led to the search committee from First Baptist Arlington contacting me. And because of some of my frustrations in that place, I was uh, open to talking to them 
And it happened fairly quickly uh, after I came and visited with the search committee that this felt like a much better fit for me. And so we made the move. And, and do you think it was? What do you think? Oh, you know, we when we try to follow God's uh, guidance and will in our lives, of course, we can never know how it's going to turn out. Um, it unfolds over time, and we walk in the light that we have. But I can honestly say God has been so gracious and has done immeasurably more than I could have asked or imagined when I accepted the call to move my family back here. And I, I was born in Texas. I was born in uh, in Kerrville uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> almost 66 years ago. Uh, but yep. uh, my dad was in ministry and uh, moved to Florida. And so I moved with my family to Florida, grew up in Florida, uh, really from elementary school through college. Where in Florida? Well, we lived in Miami and Fort Lauderdale and then ultimately Tallahassee, uh, serving in churches in all three of those. So we we pretty much covered the whole length of the state, but uh, went to Florida State University. That's where we met Kim, got a degree in business, uh, moved to Dallas to work, worked for a few years, felt called to ministry, went from a pretty comfortable North Dallas lifestyle mm-hmm. to that extreme poverty of the seminarian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. You've known feast and you've known famine. <laughs> I wonder what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most of us who have, have gone through seminary understand what true poverty is like and, and not enough time to go to class, to study, uh, to make any work, kind of yeah. discretionary. Any kind of contribution. No income is discretionary. Yeah. It's all been spent before you get it just for food. We had three kids, diapers. Uh, mm. And so very, very challenging but very shaping, uh, learning to trust God, learning to walk daily with Him. Mm. And um, so then my first church uh, out of seminary, I thought I was going to be a pastor, uh, was over at the Heights in Richardson, and they needed someone. Back then it was. Well, it was Richardson Heights Baptist Church on Beltline Road in Richardson. Uh, Subsequently, they moved uh, to a lovely a corporate campus uh, farther north, and that's where they are off 75 today, and it's a beautiful—and the Heights is such a great church. Yeah, but still doing great. They, yeah. they called me to be the interim youth minister, and I thought, fine, this is my last semester of seminary before I find a church to go pastor, mm. and lo and behold, uh, I loved it and uh, spent the next 25 years of my life working with teenagers. Yeah. So. Mm. There, South Carolina, and then here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so once you got here, how long were you youth minister? Remind Fifteen us. years. Okay. So literally, Barry and I showed up uh, when we were thirty-five, which uh, seemed old then, seems incredibly young now, uh, <laughs> and we uh, had in mind sort of what things ought to be. Both of us fairly strong personalities. He is the minister of music, me as the youth minister, and we forged a, a very strong friendship early on, and found out that. We could do some things that uh, perhaps were needed, and we were better together, and that launched uh, the next 15 years or so for me as the youth minister. He is the the worship minister, and then he transitioned into kind of an executive pastor and then associate pastor role. I um, transitioned from overseeing the youth ministry to sort of over all of the education ministry, Mm -hmm. and then subsequently have assumed responsibility for our missional work and the worship, worship life world. of our church. Yeah. All of what we call spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. And and I do love it. 
I feel um, inadequate, mm. but that's not a bad place for any of us to be. Uh, forces us to depend on God and to be extremely humble. And so I am grateful for that. So, okay, I still want you to tell me more about your, your reign, <laughs> the reign of terror, 1993 <laughs> to 2023. Um, Luke, any questions from you? I don't want to dominate. Yeah. What a, a not everyone who listens to the podcast has been around First Baptist Arlington for a long time. So may have only met you once or twice mm -hmm. or may have known you for Right. 30 years. Because increasingly, Kurt, your role is you're trying to set us up for success. Yes. You're trying to let us shine. I mean, you're not trying to steal the spotlight. And so yeah. those who are newer won't know you in the same way that people who came through your youth group or raised their kids alongside yeah. you did. Yeah, that's good. So what are some podcastable, memorable stories? <laughs> I like well, that one, they have to be appropriate for the podcast. Yeah, well, I, 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 I do. You have to remember them. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I don't want to take a lot of time on this because I would like for us to, to talk about the scripture, but. Um, no surprise. <laughs> Nobody's but, surprised. Uh, early on, uh, Barry and I, and I, I do believe uh, it's for such a time as this, and that sense of providence of God in our lives, we don't always understand um, the big picture of what's going on, but when we seek to be obedient and faithful and, and field our position, it's amazing how God works all things to good. And so Barry and I showed up at a time where First Baptist Church Arlington had been through, uh, frankly, some tragedy mm -hmm. and, and some very, very difficult and challenging seasons. And so we uh, were fresh off the prairie, didn't necessarily know about a lot of that, subsequently experienced some of that, uh, because as the pastor shared with our staff at our staff retreat last week, many of our staff members are newer and not only didn't live through that, didn't even know about a lot of that. And so it was interesting to look around the room and watch the expressions on some of the faces of mm -hmm. some of our younger staff members yeah. as they heard our pastor sort of describe uh, briefly some of the uh, big events that happened that often um, were tragic for individuals, for families, for specific ministries within our church. And yet the church is, is God's uh, <laughs> idea. God's in charge. Jesus is the head of the church. And so uh, by the grace of God, our church is... Um, navigated uh, a lot of interesting and difficult seasons and it often has thrived and grown in those those challenging times. And so um, we had some deaths on our tragic deaths on our staff. We had uh, some disagreements um, <laughs> on our staff and among our congregation. Um, and and yet we found a way to work through that and get better, I, th I think. And so there were also lots of um, frivolous and fun times because some of the challenges and because we were not as close perhaps or healthy. And I, with all due respect to mm -hmm. everyone who's gone before, our staff was not nearly as close knit or as healthy. So we tried to do lots of silly things as a staff. You saw some of the videos perhaps mm -hmm. on the reel. That, I did. Uh, the, the fun things that we did <clears throat> together because we just needed In fact, that, that reel was still playing during uh, Divorce Care and Grief oh, Share Lord. last night. Okay. And so, so they it didn't was just cut it off while we were they they getting our coffees. Awesome. That's a vibe. <clears throat> I mean, just while they were entering in. Yeah. But, but I watched the loop. I mean, I was there for three hours last night, so I'm well acquainted with yeah, that video. So, anyway. uh, a lot of that was during a season of life where, where Barry and I both felt like we needed to have fun together because we were a bit more fragmented and, mm. and not nearly Do you as have a favorite fun time? Um, Very Kurt fun time. Well, we uh, we did a superheroes thing where we dressed up as different superheroes, and I think it. Who were you? Uh, 
Um, Who was Kurt? <laughs> I, I, I want to say I was Superman, but I, I, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I was Superman or Batman. Barry was Hulk, I think. Mm. Anyway, that feels right. that you, feels you realize that those costumes right. require um, spandex, latex, tights, that oh, sort of man. thing. And so fortunately, we were much younger and in better shape, so it wasn't quite... Uh, as off-putting, yeah. perhaps, as it would have been had we tried that yeah. today. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm getting in my own. One time I had to wear, like, a scuba suit without uh, any real notice on, yeah. like, an excursion on a cruise. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. It just puts, like, an extra layer of fat on your body well, and, then shows, very, and then shows everybody. <laughs> can we just say you're very vulnerable in there those moments? There it is. Yeah. I'm having flashbacks <laughs> but But for the good of the church. And, and a lot of things we did at Christmas time. Again, Barry was uh, the genius behind a lot of that. But we felt like we needed to infuse mm -hmm. some of that uh, just fun, lightheartedness, lightheartedness yeah. yeah. to help keep things healthy mm. and to get things more healthy. And so that, that was a fun season, but life um, goes on. There's an evolution to things. Certainly society has shifted. I, I think we have um, shifted along with it. And so I would tell you all, and again, with no disregard to all that's gone before, I believe... 30 years later, the church is is arguably healthier, the staff certainly healthier than perhaps we've been in the time that I've been here. Great. Mm. Well, on top of 30 years of experience at First Baptist Arlington, Kurt has a deep and abiding love for the Word of God, mm. has already we all know expressed it. the desire to get into the Scripture. Mm. So, Kurt, tell us your thoughts. Yesterday, the pastor preached on John 21. Yeah, he, what do you think about well, it? He, you ever read, have you ever read that before? Did you ever make it to the end of John? Times. Yeah, and and he uh, chose to focus on verses fifteen through twenty-one of that, and it's it's the second ending of of John's gospel, and he he was talking about uh, being sacred shepherds, and so the emphasis, of course, is yeah. on. Uh, and for those listening, we assume that you listen to the sermon, but it's just the um, I say just it's a beautiful passage. Uh, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you yeah. love me? Feed my sheep. So. And and it's all about restoration. And and what is beautiful here is how personal and intentional Jesus is with one of his dear good friends in restoring him after arguably the most tragic and unsettling season in, in his life and the doubts. No 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 question. He felt defeated, he felt guilty, he felt inadequate, like he had just betrayed not just the Lord, but his friends, because the other disciples kind of knew how all this was playing out. And so he he probably was at the lowest point of his life. And that's where Jesus mm, engages him very personally and just lovingly restores him back. And it's challenging um, because it's incredibly personal. And uh, I, I hope it's not lost on any of us that that all this is coming after uh, of course, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. This is the resurrected Lord who just happens to be on the beach, on the uh, the lake shore, and he's prepared a fire, and um, he's in no hurry because he knows what he intends to do. And the boys are out on the boat, and they fished all night, and they're, they're making their way back in. And, hey, hey, guys, catch anything? It's like, oh, uh, no. I thought you were professional fishermen. Well, we are, but, you know, everybody has a bad night. Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. Uh, so, well, hey, throw your net on the other side. It's like, oh, my gosh. 
Are you kidding me? Yeah, we've been out all Yeah, night. what are you a perfect, you know, but they do it and they catch all these fish. And um, it <laughs> it happened three years or so earlier. And Luke in the fifth chapter tells us about that first encounter on the lake when uh, Peter is out there on the boat uh, with Andrew and James and John, and they're they're professional fishermen. And they fished all night because that's what they did then. They didn't fish during the day. They fished at night for multiple reasons that we won't go into. But they had, again, fished all night, not caught anything, um, and are coming in. Jesus is on the shore, and he says, and he already knows them uh, because if you, again, we don't have time for all this, but uh, Peter's, we we can well, Peter's brother Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. And one day, John the Baptist and some of his disciples, Andrew included, see Jesus coming and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Uh, and so Andrew starts following after Jesus and, and realizes, wow, this guy is the Messiah. And he runs and tells his brother Peter. So obviously there's some familiarity there before this and even perhaps some relationship. But here in Luke's fifth chapter, uh, the guys are doing what the guys do. They're professional fishermen. Come in, fish all night, tired, worn out, disappointed, no money, no food, blah, blah. And Jesus says, hey, cast your net on the other side. <sighs> okay, I, I, I have no desire whatsoever to do this. I think it's a complete waste of time, Peter says, but because you say do it, I'll do it. And they catch so many fish that both these large boats are about to sink. Mm-hmm. And what's Peter's response then? He just falls at Jesus' feet. Say, oh, Lord, get away from me. I'm just a sinful man. And so that's this mm-hmm. encounter like three years earlier. So much happens over the next three years, obviously. Yeah, just wow. read the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And then here mm-hmm. in the last chapter of John's Gospel, um, we see this beautiful restoration. And and what goes around comes around. Jesus on the shore tells him to cast on the other side, does it again more fish than they've seen since three years ago. And, um, and that's when he says, Hey, bring, bring some of those fish over here. Let's, let's have breakfast. And that's when Jesus pulls Peter aside and has this very intimate conversation. And I love it. Hmm. And what do you love about it? Well, several things. And the point the pastor I think wanted to make, and he did say, and all of us who have influence in the body of Christ, all of us who are in Uh, positions of leadership of any kind have been called to be shepherds. Mm -hmm. And he references some other passages in the New Testament where we're challenged as those with authority, with responsibility to shepherd the flock. Well, Peter wasn't a shepherd. He was a fisherman. And -hmm. in fact, back in that Luke 5 passage, what he says is, great, see, you guys caught a lot of fish. You really are pretty good, even though I helped you. But now Mm -hmm. what I want you to know is I don't want you to focus on fishing for fish. I want you to fish for men, for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're going to become part of my team, and we're going to do something that's never been done before. Here we go. And so he taps into that whole sense of being a fisherman to fishing for men. And now he's trying to help a professional fisherman understand how to be a shepherd, a good a good shepherd. Which is deeply funny if you've ever met commercial fishermen. They are well. A, you from Massachusetts. Tell us that they're a crusty, salty bunch with some crusty, yeah. salty language. Yes, mm-hmm. I don't need and, to say anything. And these else. good Jewish lads, I'm sure, were no different because there were stratas and subcultures within the society, including yes. that society in Israel. And uh, yeah, they were they were a crusty lot. And Peter among them. 
so full are... of life and enthusiastic, impulsive, if you will. Right. Uh, and Jesus calls this crusty, salty, <laughs> impulsive fisherman. Yeah. Come calls follow him into shepherding. Me. Come follow me. And now it's here's what I want caring. you to do. Tend, feed, nurture, love. Those didn't necessarily come instinctively. Those are not native things. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't come instinctively to Peter. But Jesus said, this is going to be essential if you're going to be able to accomplish what I need you to accomplish essentially the rest of your life. Right. And mm. he did. And so we read in his letters, um, Peter, he's a different Peter in his letters here towards the end mm -hmm. uh, of our New Testament and the insights and the experiences and the understanding that he's able to share um, show that that he got it. But he he. The turning point is this passage in John 21. Very end. Yeah. Well, for us, the story. And as, the as the, the pastor said, had this not happened, well, it could have happened and we not know about it, but thankfully, John thought to include it. Uh, but also love, if I can go back to the Luke passage, Luke, this historian, this doctor, very thoughtful physician um, who carefully, uh, carefully chronicles all that's going on, when, when he talks about Jesus' resurrection— in this group of women that went to the tomb while it was still dark, very early in the morning while it was still dark, um, they go, they come back, tell what they've seen. And, and I don't even want to say the next part because it sounds like it's anti-women, but it was just because it was foolishness. They were the ones who had gone together. That was a cultural thing for them to do. Came back, told a story that seemed too good to be true or just too crazy to, to believe. And But then Luke says, so Peter ran. Well, John wants to make sure we know not only did he join Peter, but he got there he first. Beat him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love, and that's why we need all four of our gospels <laughs> to help give us the fullest yeah. story because each I'd like one all is sharing. I'd like yeah, all perspectives. Is sharing yeah. from, from their perspective, and so um, we need each person's input and perspective to get the full and complete uh, understanding. Which we'll, we'll talk more about that with APES and other things at another time. It's 2024 together, <laughs> 2024. everybody. But uh, in, in this instance, you know, we, we see where um, Jesus in his resurrection and his engagement, first with Mary Magdalene and just how personal and intimate that was with her. And then he says, now you go and tell, tell the disciples and I'll meet them later. And so then they're scared. Uh, <laughs> I talked about back in July when the pastor was on study leave, each of the three of us got a chance to preach. I, I led off in we July, did. and I just want to talk about the fear of the Lord. What does mm -hmm. it mean to take God seriously? Uh, and it means he can do anything he wants to do without mm -hmm. any regard to what you think ought to happen in the moment. And so we see that played out here. But he says, go back. Well, he appears to these disciples who are hiding in a locked room because they don't have any earthly idea how this is going to play out but their whole world has been turned upside down. And the, when, when he reveals himself to them, his first word is peace, peace. I know you guys are scared. You don't know what's going on. You're confused. This makes no sense to you, but hey, peace to you in this confusing, crazy, chaotic situation. And that word is used a lot in the New Testament, but it's the equivalent of that Hebrew word shalom. Mm -hmm. It just means so rich. Wholeness. So rich. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. it's not the absence of conflict, although that's part of it. It's just this wholeness. wholeness. It's this rightness. It's this oneness. And when we experience God's divine peace, the, the holistic nature of it, not only does it include our, our peace with God and peace within, it's peace with others. Mm -hmm. And that's all just kind of implied in this. So he says, 
relax, guys. It doesn't make sense now, but it will. Peace to you. And then he says, you know, this is going to play out in a way that's beyond anything you can understand, but it's going to be God's will and it's going to be good. Trust me. But, But dear Thomas wasn't there. So he comes back later just for Thomas's benefit and says, mm-hmm. hey, buddy, you know, here, I am. here, here yeah. I am, it's me. And, and so he does that over and over. A leper, a paralyzed man, a despised tax collector, on and on through the story. It's just this intimate, personal, loving encounter with Jesus. And we get it told over and over in the Gospels, and he wants to do that with us guys. Hmm. That's a good word. Well, see you next week. <laughs> no, no. Whoa, 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 hold, hold the horses. Luke has a question. So, well, we both had this question. Oh, yeah. Don't just throw me under the bus. No, no, no. And I'm happy to ask it if it. Oh, no, I can ask it. It's better. It's yeah. like, it's a question I love. You know, as you were so, talking about your 30 years of service and uh, standing behind the pulpit, at the end of both services, you said a line that local mission is the future. It is Missions Month. Mm-hmm. It is Missions Month. And I mission care month. deeply about missions. And Kurt's you, been, as well, you should. So, well, boy, Kurt, howdy, we're going to talk about missions on this podcast today. Yes. Kurt's been dreaming with us. I mean, yes. Kurt's mm-hmm. the boss of all the missions people. We got this engagement team thing going on. I'm Three really, quarters of us tell are me actually more. I'm really excited. The other quarter? <laughs> is in, in Europe. Well, let me tell you. I actually yeah. don't know if she's in Spain or France right now. Well, she's in uh, Western Europe. Let's Western leave it Europe. at that. And so our friend Ashley, uh, let, me, let me start with this. Our friend Ashley is in Western Europe. And this weekend, she engaged with our team uh, in Spain who is ministering to Arabic-speaking immigrants from North Africa. And doing mm-hmm. it And that in ministry really cool ways. is going yeah. really well. And we have a young intern, Lily, who is a part of that ministry for this year. And Love, it's, Love you, Lily. Love it's a homes. wonderful ministry. And so we have these three global centers in uh, Western Europe and in uh, Western Africa. And for the last 20 years, um, our pastor and, and Cindy have led our church to become truly ascending church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have established these, by the grace of God, these three global centers where we have sent cross-cultural workers and we have strategic partners in country and our people are supporting them by holding the other end of the rope. And we are praying for them. We are supporting them financially. We're providing oversight and it is a wonderful ministry. And so mm. we are a sending church uh, even as we are a sent church, and that will continue. Post what, what would pandemic, be the difference well, okay. <laughs> between a sending church and a sent church? This yeah. is almost a pop quiz because yeah, I've well, read Missional Church by yeah, Gail Cooper. Well, we okay. So uh, the being a sent church, you could say that about every church, you know. And now we can also get into what the Bible says. And so well, that's the mandate, right? Right, I mean, right. So if you're a church, you could say all four gospels sent. plus Acts, uh, the book of Acts, um, have Jesus' um, command, commission for the people of God to be sent yeah. into culture and into community. Now, we got to discount Mark because the oldest and best manuscripts don't include that part of. But even chapter 16, but we got three gospels in the book of Acts. Pretty that, good. If I'm going to put on my theologian hat. We've got the, the biblical scholarship hat. I know you, you balk at that word. But even the creeds, which were Baptists, so we don't use them. We use them, but we don't 
I think the creeds have gotten a bad rap, and I would love for us to embrace that without fear. But in the creeds, the ancient creeds, (laughs) the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic. Mm -hmm. And apostolic in Greek just means sent. And Catholic means universal. Catholic means universal. It's a lowercase c. So you'd say universally sent. So the church is one universal, holy, sacred, and sent. And so even our oldest, most robust theological statements— would identify the church's nature as a sent entity. Yes. So each of us is sent, and we want to reclaim, recapture, and almost reinterpret that for this current age. Uh, We're a sending church because we have chosen the very difficult and challenging work of putting people on the other side of the world, uh, working through those governments and helping them to find um, the resourcing they need in country, and then maintaining that over years and years. And as these units grow, we've got marriages, we've got parents and kids, we've got the same challenges in other parts of the world that we have here of just daily life. And so us being ascending church means taking on the very challenging work of maintaining these units in these global centers um, on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. That that whole being a sent church is what I want us to redefine to some degree, which is why earlier this year we started this engagement team. Mm-hmm. And I increasingly want to perhaps redefine the word mission, which we, not universally, uh, but too often have imagined means other side of the world and and look at it from the standpoint of engagement intentional, strategic engagement with people, cross-culture, same culture, whatever, within spheres of influence. And so the statement that I made, we will continue to be a sending church, and we will continue, by the grace of God, to have presence uh, on the other side of the world and around the world. Our focus, I believe, over this next season is going to be to resource and and release uh, the people of God, our congregation, to the world they live in, most of them will never go to the other side of the world, but where they wake up every day, live, work, and play, welcoming these internationals who are coming to our community, and then being very intentional about how they engage culture right here where they live. That's what I mean for us in this next season. And um, we'll do that lots of different ways, and hopefully it will be just as creative as our people are willing to trust God And so our engagement team has adopted this phrase that I love, dynamic life in the spirit. That's what we want our people to experience. In fact, that's what we want for everybody. Everybody. For us, engagement means dynamic life in the spirit. Mm. So, but but let me, okay, let me say this again, because I was going to get to it before. (laughs) The three gospels, book of Acts, uh, we can even start with Acts 1. Um, You will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses But where does it start? It always starts in Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. Well, we're at the ends of the earth, and Mm -hmm. we need to continue to do that. What we've got to be just as intentional about is our Jerusalem, is uh, Arlington, the greater Arlington area, the metroplex, and and where our people live, work, and play, that they feel just as sent as our CCWs, our Mm cross-cultural workers do in our three global centers. Luke, I'm sure you have a—I'm going to ping— Back to you. Okay. I'll facilitate because <laughs> I have thoughts, but you've got lots of thoughts. I think about Arlington a lot. 
Okay, go on. Well, tell me more. You know, so I live in Central Arlington, which is super, not super descriptive. Oh one five. Oh one five. No one says uh, that. No one does. So I'm just you know, we're gonna we're gonna up. make it Propping a thing. Up. It, it could become a thing, but y'all are gonna have to work a lot harder at it. But you yeah. know, I think about oh, one, my oh one three. Y'all, y'all need to chill. Um, I didn't just you say know. that. Oh one three years, I love you. Okay, hit and me then, up if you live in the one three. Just uh, anyway, text me. Not trying to start a zip code debate. We'll hang out. But Arlington, and if we think about Dallas Fort Worth generally, I think is poised to become the largest metroplex in the country by twenty one hundred. Is that right? Twenty one hundred. I gotta contextualize that. So in the next eighty that's, years, that's yeah. yeah. You think well, thirty years? Will I be around to see that? <laughs> It's a you long know, time. Yeah. People, and again, I hate to interrupt, but yesterday, we, had, we have so many good, godly people in this room. We do. It's Amen. just phenomenal. I, told, I, I was showing someone around, and I said, the build, they were like, this is a great building. And I was like, yeah, the building's great. The people are better. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And so, again, yeah. yesterday was one of We like that the building looks nice, but check out these people in it. Yeah. Very tangibly that remind me. Oh, for me, you? I mean, hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully, How many right? good, godly people yeah, you we ha- have we ha- here? We had a reception in Kurt's honor. Kurt and Barry's, of course. And I hope that you did feel valued by just all these wonderful people. Absolutely. And and so this church is And just have you looked so, through your book of notes yet? I, I, I have some. It's a lot. It I is haven't a, had time to go through all of it. But I mean, hopefully those are, in my again, wife. the same again, people. We, ADD's kicking in I'm here. I'm sorry. But, well, and I uh, kind of went there too. No, but uh, my <laughs> wife was telling me yesterday morning that uh, you can't spend 30 minutes with every person that comes through the line because the, the no. line's back in there. And yeah, people but, are just leaving. They they got other things to do. <laughs> and I said, I know, but I can't help it. Yeah. Because it's, every one of these people, there's a story. Yeah. And and life lived and and and... Some tragedy and sadness, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, burying family members and marrying kids and just all kinds of stuff. And so I can't help myself but just pause in yeah, the moment just see it all. And, yeah. and do a quick reminiscing. Which is what makes you great. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. That's for, that's, my, that's for my seat. I'm saying that part. But that's part of the shepherding thing is doing life with people. And now I can't even remember what point I was going to make. Before. Uh, so Luke here. was talking about 015. <laughs> so, oh, our people are great. Yeah. No, that oh, was you. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the thing. So yesterday, so somebody said, hey, uh, great 30 years. Here's the 30 more years. And I said, okay, in 30 more years, in 95, you probably won't be able to find me. I'll either be underground or on the beach somewhere. I'll so, come visit yeah. you. <laughs> but 30 years is a long time. Imagine 2,100. I mean, that's just, Yeah, that's 80 years. Yeah, but, but the point if is— If Jesus doesn't come back, it will happen. We live okay. in oh, one of the so most— Oh, so the Metroplex will be Yeah, we big. live in one of the most rapidly growing and poised to become one of the most influential cities in the United States. You just think about the number of people that are going to move here mm. over the next even 10 years, 15 years. I saw a video on social media this morning, and it was a 10-year time lapse of Plano— and it was a field in 2007, mm-hmm. and now it's high-rises. Um, same street, same view. So that's, I mean, we're talking about that much rapid growth around us. So Arlington's going to change. But even beyond that, we live in one of the most ethnically diverse communities in the in the entire country. Uh, Arlington's more diverse than Dallas or Fort Worth. Uh, it's more diverse than Chicago, and crazy. it's up there with L.A., New York, so when, and Houston. And when you say diverse, what categories? It's ethnically, what religiously, economically. I mean, you are you would be hard-pressed to go to another city in America and encounter the level of diversity that has honestly become commonplace in Arlington. You go to a grocery store, you're going to probably hear another language, at least one other language. Even at church, I think yesterday morning, I encountered people from three or four different ethnic or linguistic backgrounds. Even at 
predominantly white, First Baptist Arlington, we have more than we you know, give credit right. for. Right. I talked to people from Africa. I talked to people from India. I talked to people from Central America. And we love that. We I do. hope everyone well, knows that. Well, we sang we in Spanish it. and heard a prayer in Mandarin. So. Right. Oh, five. I encountered five languages <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Three on stage. I mean, right. Yeah, you don't have to go very so far. So you just think about that. I live in a I neighborhood. I tried to explain what triplets were in oh, um, yeah. uh, to an Arabic speaker. I mean, uh, Arabic is the primary language. And I said, do you have that word wait, in Arabic? Wait, you had three yeah, babies I said, what at it, one it said, time? Do you know what triplets are? No. I said, oh. Sorry, you're reminding me that my, like, encountered a language had, at church count is just, I'm up to and six you, yeah, now. Yeah, now you keep, oh, yeah, because you also talked to the Arabic speaker. Yeah. Anyway, that was hilarious. So I live in a neighborhood that has a Mormon church, an African Pentecostal church, a Buddhist temple, and a Unitarian Universalist church. That's that's just my neighborhood, yeah. 015, which is one of the older, more established neighborhoods in Arlington. So you think about that. You think about when you go to Costco, that you're surrounded by people from all over the world. Certainly the further east you get in Arlington. Right. I mean, just the establishments are in Thai or, you know, I mean, it's very Asian, very, but that's very, common. very diverse. Yeah, absolutely. So we, you live in this city. If you live in Arlington, maybe you don't. We have listeners all over the country. Yeah. But, but, even, if you don't yeah, if you, but if you come to our church, you're at least within a little radius of yeah. what we're talking about. So you are poised to just make this impact for the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes we'll talk about these students from India who are grad students at UTA who come into our door. And you think about the fact that we are engaging these people in discipleship. They will maybe go back to their home country where they will in turn start to disciple other people. You think about the impact that that can have in a place like India, and that's just people who are coming to our church who are already Christian. India is a good example too because it's very hard to get to. It is. As it's a super hard to get if you to. Call it that. But yeah, if we which is why again we've got to be just as intentional here as we are overseas. It takes more effort, arguably, in just terms of government bureaucracy and resourcing and money. But it's a whole lot easier here. It turns out you can talk to your next-door neighbor or your coworker for free. And I think about yeah. the stories that both Joey told in the contemporary uh-huh. service and Hannah told in both services. Very Hannah sweet. talking what a great about, testimony. oh, my goodness, I almost Powerful. cried. Mm-hmm. It was a- I will say, and I don't think this will embarrass her, Kara Milton, our friend who lived in East Asia on behalf of our church, was very moved because she understands the culture mm-hmm. and how— yeah. incredible that story is and how life-changing it is and how difficult that context is. So, so but to, to tear up in public like that was not a typical kind of thing. No. Just, the, just the story. So but know? Hannah talking about her great-grandfather who this sweet Methodist lady, Miss Mary, encountered in the 1800s and the generational impact. But to even hear Joey in the 11 o'clock, if you weren't there, told a just brief testimony of his parents were out working in their front yard. His dad was working on the car, and an American couple who had devoted their lives to learning Spanish came up and shared the gospel with Joey Rodriguez's parents, who accepted Christ. And now Joey is ministering, and he's been ministering long before he came to our church. And Joey's his dad, his became dad. His dad is a bivocational pastor. Change your life. It changes lives. So mm-hmm. you just think about the fact that the conversations you could have in your neighborhood, at the grocery store, at your child's school, those things could have eternal and generational ramifications. And it, we actually, that's free. You can mm-hmm. do that for free. We don't and have what, to fundraise for that. We don't have to deal with government bureaucracy for you to do that. You can talk to people for free. And it's what I keep thinking about is, you know, when Jesus does the Great Commission, go. Go and make disciples. It's really as you are going, mm-hmm. make disciples. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about being li- live. Being sent, living sent, mm-hmm. 
there's this sense of as you are going, whatever that means, taking your kids to school, showing up at PTA, being a good friend, going to yoga class, as you are doing those things, make disciples. And the good news is, when we talk about dynamic life in the spirit, is that God goes not just with you, but ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And so all you're doing is meeting him where he's at, at work. So it can seem intimidating to bring up Jesus or whatever it looks like to bless, to just open those doors to people that you don't normally have faith interactions with. But I think all we're doing is not just testing the waters, but uh, there is a sense that the spirit is at work. And so you may just say, oh, I'm headed to my church to get lunch with somebody and that opens a door. Someone now knows that you follow Jesus. Jesus may be working in their heart. And so you just get to meet God where he's at work in the world. I think that's the invitation. It's mm-hmm. as you are going, keep your eyes open for where I'm at work. And don't just put your blinders on and get through every day. Yeah. I like know? to challenge people to pray, God, what are you What are you up to here? And how do I join? Yes. And so just wherever you go, and I think and I've that said that on And that has statements of faith, before. right? It has statements of faith in it. You yeah. are up to something, God. And, and, you're, and, I want it, and I can join it. And and that's why we as an engagement team so want to emphasize this whole thought, concept, reality of dynamic life in the spirit. And and if I can, I, I don't I don't know how much time we have, but I Yeah, we're uh, fine. The, okay. So we <laughs> well, focus, this is not a time slot okay, on well, a TV show. Uh, forgive we, me. I'm very yeah. time conscious. If you're bored, just log off. All right. And if you like it, keep coming. So the pastor focused on chapter twenty one of the Gospel of John. If you go to the previous chapter, um here, I'm John flip 20. It. Everybody, uh, come with me. Okay. So, again, uh, Jesus is appearing to the disciples starting in verse 19. Um, and and <laughs> it was the evening of that first day. If you recall, it was really early in the morning, still dark, when they went to the tomb. Stone was rolled away. They had all this encounter. It was crazy. Everybody else went back to bed or just went home. Mary Magdalene hung around, encountered Jesus in this profound moment. Uh, but then later that evening of that first day of the week, they're all hiding out. Doors are locked. They're they're afraid. Uh, Jesus came, stood among them and said, peace, this shalom, this wholeness, peace be with you. And after he said that, he showed him his hands, his feet. The disciples were overjoyed. Can you imagine? Overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, there it is, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, and we don't have time to get into all this, but um, this isn't chapter two Pentecost, of Acts. Yeah. This isn't Pentecost. Right. That This is 40 days or so before that happens. But again, in that moment of, of fear, trauma, confusion, uh, everything they thought they knew has just been decimated. And so whatever it means, symbolically or in reality, for Jesus to breathe on them and and the Holy Spirit to come alongside and just get them to Pentecost, you know. Uh, and, and obviously he does, because by the time they get to Pentecost, they, they've reclaimed kind of their composure. Mm-hmm. They still don't know how it's going to play out, right. but they're together. Uh, there's 120 or so of them at that point. And, you know, it, but it, it says... He breathed on them, the Holy Spirit, and he says, if you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, uh, people struggle with that. Certainly the Catholic Church has taken a very different uh, take on that. But to me, what I want our people to realize, um, the essence of this whole thing, the essence of the gospel isn't feeling better about yourself. It's not having a good day. 
It's about you are dead in your sins. You are dead in your trespasses. You are alienated from God. You are an enemy of God. And yet you can have your sins forgiven. It's all about forgiveness of sins. And so the gospel we're proclaiming is that you can have your sins forgiven. Um, you can you can be alive. You can be alive. Mm-hmm. You can have the righteousness of Christ. You can be a part of God's family and God's plan. That's the gospel. And so uh, the holy, mm-hmm. the love of God, um, and and the authority of Jesus and the empowering of the Holy Spirit are what's at play in this. So what does it mean for us to to have dynamic life in the Spirit? What does it mean for us to live sent? Eternity is at stake here. People's very souls and and eternities uh, are at stake here. And so what we're proclaiming is the opportunity for forgiveness of sin. Repent and believe the good news for the kingdom of God is at hand. That was Jesus' sermon all along, basically. It was certainly his first sermon. And so that's what we're proclaiming as we go about our daily lives. Uh, There's a lot at play here. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay. So again, I didn't mean to get us on track, but it's... Uh, I think that was exactly the right track. Okay. okay. All right. You well, can do whatever you want. So what does it mean for us as we're going? You know, eternity is at stake and we're proclaiming good news. And so whatever Satan can do to to make us hesitant, intimidated, fearful, not good enough. And I think Satan's greatest tool against Christians is uh, feelings of guilt and inadequacy. Yeah. As if it somehow were about right. us. And so to those feelings of inadequacy, I like to tell and remind people, you're, you are not personally responsible for knowing a proof for a literal seven-day creation or why evolution is wrong or why God seems so angry in the Old Testament. What you are responsible for and the only answer you are responsible for. I once was blind and now I see. No, it's... this. Is, it's the hope that you have. Why do you have hope? That's First Peter three fifteen through sixteen. It's always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Right. So that's all you need to know is why you have hope, and how do you share hope with people with no hope? And if you feel inadequate, you are. Yes. So just embrace it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, people yeah. are spiritually open. Don't try we to live overcome. at a time of spiritual openness. People are hungry. People are curious, and they want hope. Yes. So share the hope that you have. Yeah, and and it doesn't resonate with them. Um, be honest about your jacked upness, <laughs> please. <laughs> you know, Just be honest. don't don't that false piety isn't true. You know it. Everybody knows it. So don't mm-hmm. even go there. Good. You know, just be honest about your own inadequacy, the um, the struggles that you have, and the reason the good news is good news because the bad news is so bad and it's real, and yet Jesus meets us in our need and calls us to himself, and then he empowers us with everything we need uh, to live this full life in Christ. Mm. Amen. Well, that's probably a good place to end. Happy Thanksgiving, (laughs) I'll tell you. Much to be thankful for. Much to be thankful for, including Kurt or Grace. Thanks for joining (laughs) us today, Kurt. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to you both. Yes. For the PLT, Barry included. Amen. Mm. All right. See you all next week.
listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Thank you.